development limits and conservation area. The applications for the change of use uh, from a chapel, uh, which is class D1, to a residential dwelling, um, class C3, involving alterations to form a two-bedroom house, including demolition of an existing kitchen um, to provide a rear garden. That's um, a picture of the, um, the kitchen which is proposed to be demolished, um, and it's proposed to be... Uh, brought back to the rear wall um, further back. I'll show you in the main plans. Um, this is an elevation of the front of the property in question. Again, um, a side rear elevation showing that this will be demolished and this element will be brought back to roughly about here. Um, these are the existing plans. Um, and the existing elevations of the property here. Um, the proposed development would involve works, um, say, demolition of the rear element of the property to provide a lantern roof um, extension, single storey, um, and making good the rear elevation um, as a result of demolition works. The chapel um, itself has relocated um, from Gold Street to Castle Street and um, the application building has been marketed um, for, for community purposes with no interests shown. The proposed change of use and associated works um, is considered not to harm the character and appearance of the conservation area nor the setting of neighbouring listed buildings or the amenity of um, neighbouring residential properties. Um, the amenity of neighbouring residential properties is considered to be improved um, as a result of the change of use as there will be less noise and disturbance um, and also traffic generation. The change of use would result in lesser demand for parking considering its town centre location and no objection from highways or highway implications have been um, have been uh, is considered therefore this is um, acceptable in highway terms approval is recommended for the scheme subject to a time limit condition thank you chairman thank you mrs shoesmith and we have uh, two speakers on this application the first of whom is a mr godger yes please Do you beg your pardon? Um, you take a seat there, please. Oh, right. Yes, that's, that's your chair for the next three minutes. Okay. Okay. I'll read um, I was asked if I am for or against the proposed conversion, as it seems one has to be categorised. I have fallen into the no camp uh, because there wasn't a middle territory to fall into. And I should emphasise that I'm fundamentally in favour of the appropriate conversion of redundant buildings. Where I do have a problem is where a decision might, in part, be based on confusing or inaccurate information. I, with others, have made a number of representations, which you'll have seen, uh, but let me make now just one point, an uh, important point, and that is the thorny old subject of parking. Um, I'm sure you're all sighing now, parking. In the design access statement made by the developer, it states that Uttlesford has confirmed that resident parking is available. 
which implies that Uttlesford has specifically confirmed the availability. In Gold Street, like many others, parking availability is critical. With what appears to be just over 30 spaces, it's impossible to know the exact number, potentially available for over 50 properties. The parking partnership told me that residents may apply for resident permits, quite obviously, but they told me that the chapel does not appear to be on the list of properties with a right to apply, as it was not on the historical agreement made at the time of the Uttlesford handing over the parking management to the parking partnership. And it is also, I am told, the case that a new development, which this in effect is, the conversion of a previous uh, style of development, is outside of the current list of so-called approved properties, and it would need a special review. Frankly, this is all very confusing to me, uh, because I've had two or three different stories. And um, there are those that believe parking permits will automatically be issued, and others suggesting that it's a more complicated situation. You might say it's a minor point, but I feel there is an impression that parking permits are a given right. I believe the parking in the area is at a critical level uh, for the development to seemingly dismiss this, uh, for the developer to seemingly dismiss this problem by saying Uttlesford has said parking permits are available could be misleading. The actual development may well be appropriate, in fact I think it looks good, uh, but the knock-on effect of more parking in such an overcrowded road needs addressing. Gold Street, lengthy as it is, the beginning and the end, if we look at the bottom and the top as the beginning and the end, cannot take any parking at all due to their uh, narrowness. So all of the parking takes place in approximately um, two-thirds of Gold Street. Uh, I hope that both in connection with this specific application, future applications and the wider parking problem, the committee will consider the parking implications of basically trying to pour two pints into a one-pint pot because you cannot keep allocating parking. And I think that this development and one or two others nearby are compounding a major problem. That's all I have to say. But I'm fundamentally uh, in favour of sensible developments, uh, redevelopments of existing properties. Thank you. Good job. And our last speaker is Christopher Reynolds on behalf of the owner. Thank you. Do you have three minutes, Mr. Reynolds? Uh, thank you. Um, thank you for allowing me to speak today. Uh, my name is Chris Reynolds, and if this application is approved today, uh, the converted property will become my home. I've lived in Uttersford for 18 years and in Saffron Walden for the last nine years. I work locally. My children attend County High School and we love living in the town. Uh, the application is recommended for approval and there are no objections from statutory consultees. Uh, the application is refer referred to the committee on, for a variety of reasons all of which have been covered in the officer's report. However, I'd like to clarify two points. Uh, firstly, there's a suggestion that the site is being overdeveloped. Um, I find this rather strange, as the application seeks to demolish part of the building, physically reducing the amount of development. Um, the main building was built in 1870, and is to be restored, renovated, 
and sympathetically adapted to provide a single family home. Uh, the section to be demolished is an uninspiring 1980s addition. Uh, this de demolition creates a courtyard garden and some private amenity space. Um, secondly, uh, concerns over car parking. Um, there's been no objection from Essex Highways for this application. Um, I've also made my own investigation with the parking operator and when I spoke to them they reported no problem with issuing resident permits for Gold Street and even suggested I could obtain the, a visitor's permit on an ad hoc basis. Um, Mr Goodge's comments about um, whether the chapel is uh, registered I presume relates really to the fact that it doesn't have a C3 residential consent at the moment and as a result it wouldn't be on the list. Um, certainly if you look at the application form it is, the requirement is that you uh, are on the, that it's um, a registered house effectively and that you are on the council register living in that property. So I'm presuming that there wouldn't be an issue with that going forward. Um, the planning officer report has dealt with and answered all the relevant planning and technical matters uh, and the report's conclusion recommends approval. Uh, I hope you feel able to support the officer's recommendation and allow this building to become my home. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Reynolds. Uh, right, members, it's over to you. Any comments? Uh, Councillor Lodge. Um, I'd, I'd like the look of this, um, this application. I think that um, it's good that uh, redundant buildings effectively can be recycled. It's an interesting building. And uh, I, I had an issue about, the, uh, about parking, but I think that seems to have been uh, sufficiently answered, and we all know that there is a much bigger problem, but we're not going to solve the Gold Street Town Centre parking problem with uh, this application, so I would certainly support it. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Yes, likewise, I, I support, <coughs> support this application. Uh, the parlance of the North Essex Parking Partnership, if it says parking permits are available, what it really means is parking permits may be had. Uh, their policy appears to be to sell permits to anybody that wants to buy one, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily tightly linked to the number of parking spaces on that street. That said, I'm sure you can get a parking permit for that house. Well, it's a bit like airline seats, so I suppose you get bumped. Uh, any further comments, uh, councillors? Uh, Councillor Mills? Uh, move to um, approve the uh, application, Chairman. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Second. Seconded by Councillor Hicks. Um, I've looked at the plans, um, and the only comments I've got relate to something which may follow uh, a grant of uh, planning permission, which is trying to get building regs approval. Um, I'm not sure how the living room is lit and ventilated and I'm worried about taking a trust member out from the roof but that's just an observation on my part so we'll go to the vote on this all those in favour of approval and against abstentions two. two thank you that matter is approved thank you very much Our next application is item 4.2, uh, UTT 153080. It's an application for full planning consent at Wimbish, and Mrs Stevenson will take us through this matter. Thank you. Mr Chair, can I make a 
a declaration, please. I'm a member of an organisation which regularly uses the area where the facility is going to go. Fine. Thank you. That was Thank Council you, Lodge. Thank you. Since the writing of the Officer Report, supplementary representations have been received from Devon Parish Council and from Councillor Tina Knight, both of which support the application. Full copies have been provided to members and are on your desks in front of you. The application site comprises a grass area of land situated on the southern side of the backdoor training area of Carver Barracks. This is on a military site that the local community currently have access to by arrangement and can be accessed via an existing track off Elder Street as well as from within the barracks itself. The area is currently the site of a grass football pitch and a rugby pitch. There is an existing purpose-built pavilion adjacent to the site, which is here. Um, this has four changing rooms, showers, kitchen and referee rooms. The site is well screened from the road by existing trees and shrubs. The application proposes the construction of an eight-lane athletics track with multi-use games area in the middle. Eight floodlights are proposed at 50 metres high. The multi-use 3G pitch will be a full-size football hockey pitch with the ability to be used for multi-use training in other disciplines such as football and rugby and any other disciplines that require a fast durable surface. It can be used all year round. Three, three metre high fencing will be erected around the pitch. The athletics track will be a full-size eight-lane 400-metre track with full provision for all field events, including long and high jump and pole vault. It can be used all year round. A 1.1-metre high post and rail spectator rail barrier sorry, will be erected around the perimeter of the track. Adjacent to the track will be a javelin runway and hammer discus concentric circle and cage. Existing trees and shrubs will be unaffected and a pathway to the existing ports pavilion will be put in place. Existing parking provision will remain unaffected. The playing pitches lost by this development will be reprovided on an area of former airfield parallel to the existing pitches. The proposal will have no detrimental impact on the amenity of neighbouring residents. There are no objections on ecological highway or environmental health grounds or from Sport England. The proposed development is considered to be acceptable and complies with all relevant development plan policies as well as the MPPS. It is recommended for approval subject to the conditions as listed on pages 41 and 40. Thank you. We have two speakers, sorry, on this application. First of whom is Councillor Artis from District Council. And you have five minutes, Councillor Artis. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I intend to make this brief. Um, some colleagues may be aware that uh, during my year as Chairman of this Council, uh, I instigated the uh, liaison group with the, with the military at, uh, at the Carver Barracks and have been working on a number of projects uh, with them. And this year, indeed, I am the current Chairman's representative on that, uh, on that liaison group. Um, as I said, over the couple of years, we've been working on a number of projects, and this is, this is one of them. I'm very pleased to see that it uh, has been recommended for approval. Uh, this council has a good history of, uh, of liaising with our colleagues at the, at the barracks and this particular facility will not only provide additional facilities for the military but extensive facilities for the local community and greatly enhance um, the, the ability of all sporting groups uh, in the area to, to use the facilities. So I'm pleased it's recommended for approval and uh, I hope colleagues will, will approve it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Artis. And our second speaker is from the Parish Council, is Councillor Mike Young. Thank you. Do you have three minutes, Councillor Young? Uh, 
Thank you. I always get it wrong. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mike Young, Wimbish Parish Council. The Parish Council did initially express a little concern regarding the size of the football pitch as we weren't certain that it was large enough. As you're probably aware, there isn't a single size for a football pitch, but a range of measurements that are acceptable. We've now got details of the sizes, and although a little tight for the Premier League and a little tight for a maximum size rugby union pitch, it does fully meet the recommendations of the Football Association for an adult pitch. So that is no longer an issue for us. With regard to the general development, we are very strongly in favour. As I'm sure you know, there is a very real shortage of 3G football pitches and other sporting facilities in the area. I believe I'm writing saying that there are no 3G football pitches in Uttersford. And according to the latest sports strategy document, we need three pitches whilst the nearest ones are at least 20 minutes away from most people living in the district. This proposal will provide excellent facilities for a wide variety of sporting activities, not least for training purposes, and the Parish Council strongly supports it. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Young. Uh, members, we'll throw it open to you for Comments, questions? Councillor Freeman? Uh, thank you, Chairman. I, I think it's an excellent application. I have no trouble at all in supporting it. I simply suggest to officers that uh, when it comes to the lighting, uh, it might be worthwhile. In fact, I would firmly recommend that you put in a condition that the efficiency should be better than 120 lumens per watt. It's a feature of modern lights. You can have very efficient lights. They use less electricity. Uh, they cost less to run. It's an important thing when you're running. The floodlighting can be very expensive to run, uh, and efficiency is a major part of it. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Vroomman. Any other comments? Uh, Councillor Lodge? Thank you, Chair. Um, most of, sorry, those, those of us with sporting interests in town will know that, uh, in particular, the Saffron Walden Tri Club has been campaigning strongly for uh, facilities such as this in town. Uh, and I'm amazed that there appear to be no representations or reference to them. I just wonder whether they're being consulted and uh, what the outcome might have been. I'm not altogether sure. Um, if Tri want to go all on one site, they need to cycle, run and swim, don't they? But, hey, who am I? I'm not, not into that. Uh, tennis is my game. <laughs> right, any further comments? No. Councillor Chambers. Mr. Chairman, propose approval. Thank you very much. Does that find a seconder? Oh, Councillor Fairbrass, thank you. Fairhurst, I do beg your pardon. My lovely Fairhurst. Oh, I've got that. Do you wish to speak at this time? <laughs> oh, you tell me off. Right. Okay. So we'll go to the vote on this then, please, members. All those in favour of approval, please show. Thank you very much. That matter is approved. Our next application is item 4.3 on the agenda, UTT 153090. It's uh, application for full planning consent to Elsnum, and uh, Mr. Brown will take us through this application. Thank you.
Thank you, Chairman. Just to slightly correct you, it's an outline planning application with all matters reserved apart from access. Um, the members will recall that this matter was deferred from the last meeting. Um, just to remind members where we are, this is the standard hit road here, standard road here, the access going back to the David Wilson home site to the rear here, uh, where the community building will be delivered here and the proposal with an indicative layout here. Members defer the matter um, to reconsider the mix of the houses. Um, well, coming back in an obtuse way, there was no mix provided, so the applicant hasn't addressed the mix because there was no mix proposed. But that is a discussion that we need to be having now in terms of where we go from here. Um, the application remains recommended for approval, Chairman. I don't, I don't anticipate to go through back through the presentation again. I think we need to receive the speakers and then continue the discussion afterwards. Uh, but the application remains, remains recommended for approval, subject to a Section 106. Thank you, Mr. Brown. <clears throat> Our first speaker is Dr. Mott. You have three minutes, Dr. Mott. Thank you. Now, Councillor Redfern has indicated, I beg your pardon, that she just does not wish to speak on this. Thank you. <coughs> uh, Mr. Chairman, sir, I suggest that the application is not acceptable since the provisions for parking just do not make sense. And, sir, if you will allow me, I would like to approach the screen in order to explain what I mean. Uh, is that acceptable to you, sir? Um, not generally, no. Um, if you could explain, and uh, Mr Brown could point out to Very us. Very well, sir. So, yeah. uh, th there are suggestions in the guides to speakers that, um, that they can apply to approach the screen, but I can speak from here. Um, the visitor parking, sir, it's apparently five spaces along the south of the site. And, yes, I think Mr Brown has the, has the correct place. OK. Um, to get to those spaces, though, you would need to drive up the main uh, David Wilson Homes access on the left. Then you'd need to turn right at the top there. Yes. And now you turn right again. And, yes, quite right, and now you're... Now you're in the visitor parking spaces. OK. But visitors to the houses to the west of the triangle, that's up the left-hand side, would then need to retrace um, their route on foot. There's, there's no way through from the end of those visitor parking spaces into the main road. So to get to the houses on the left as we look at it, you'd need to walk to the right as we look at it, that's the east, up to the north, back down to the south, and if you're going into the last house, you'd need to walk all the way back, obviously. Then you make your visit, and you leave, and then you walk back up to the north, down to the south, and left to the west. You get in your car, and then you go around virtually three sides of the triangle again for the fourth time. Uh, knowing what we know, sir, of the reluctance of car drivers to walk any further than necessary, that, sir, quite simply would not happen. What would happen is that visitors to those houses on the left, as we look at it, would park on the main access road to the David Wilson home site, as near as they could to the house which they're visiting. There are three bays uh, left for parking. I don't know if Mr Brown could possibly point to them. Yes, that's it, up a bit from there, Mr Brown. 
that they're left for parking at, on the red line. There's a, there's a sort of a chink in, in the red line there. That's it. That's it. Now, those three bays for parking, thank you, Mr. Brown, those three bays for parking are specifically for the David Wilson Homes site. They were part of that application. So they would be used by visitors to that clutch of houses which you see at the top there. There's, there's, there's ten up there and visitors to the nine down towards the south. Okay. So that means there is a shortage of parking for the David Wilson Homes houses because visitors to these houses would use it. And to summarise, sir, I, I don't doubt that the applicants will say that this layout is indicative only. But if it's approved, they'll sell the land on, this being Crown Estate, without line approval for 20 homes. At the detailed application from some other applicants, it will be contended strongly that approval has been given for 20. And I suggest that for this application to be approved, sir, the applicants must be able to show it's possible for 20 houses to be fitted into the site with satisfactory provision for parking, including visitor parking, and that's uh, they have failed to do. That outline is just not viable, sir, not tenable, and in short, I suggest, sir, the Crown Estate must think again. Uh, thank you very much for your indulgence, sir. No, it's not the indulgence, Mr Mott. It's uh, part of the process, and thank you for our thank very you. valued comments. Uh, our next speaker is from the Parish Council, Patrina Lees. Thank you. You have three minutes. Thank you. Sir. Are you councillor Lees? I'm the chairman of our Parish chairman? Council. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Once again, I'm here again. Uh, Mr. Brown is absolutely right. Last week, last month, there was no housing mix. It was an outline planning, and we made a very impassionate plea for bungalows. And you very nicely deferred it to go and have a let's go and have another look. Well, Crown Estates obviously thought your decision was nonsense, didn't they? because within three and a half weeks they've got another application in asking for the same thing. We're not going to have a look. We're done. Now, I know it's outline planning application, but you and you, we all know that this is a windfall site. This was supposed to be a care home. This is an opportunity for them to make some money. Not, nothing against anybody making any money. You heard me say that last time. So, what I'm like-minded, I'm hoping you're like-minded, what I would like is... Why don't we, and I am pretty sure you are allowed to do this, Nigel I'm sure will say if you're not, refuse this application and ask them to go away and put a full application in. They can do that, can't they, Mr Brown? You can do that. Okay. I'm pretty sure you can. And say, go back and do a full application and you will be disappointed to see if they haven't taken into account the fact that we've asked for more bungalows, we know a precedent's been set by this council because I think in Great Chesterford you have a site with more bungalows than the policy states because there is a need. So refuse it. Tell them to come back with a full planning application with what we want and not only that, we know that a developer will buy a piece of land with the plans already and in fact it makes their life a little bit easier they know exactly what they're buying and my last point is crown estates keep saying to us that it is in the statutes books that they must make the much as money as they can best value from their assets however 
Peter Johnson, my vice chairman, who is a ferreter of information and buried way, way, way deep in this Crown Estate Act 1961, Section 3.1, it says... Except for the best consideration in money or money's worth, which in their opinion can be reasonably attained, having regard to all the circumstances of the case. Now, the circumstances of the case here is this should have been a care home, should have been for elderly folk. We are asking you, for them, to provide a planning application that said what it was going to do originally. We have a need. You know we have a want. We've been talking to Hasto Homes. They haven't given us time, really, to make any inroads in getting anybody on board, obviously. But please refuse it and ask them to come back with a full planning application. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Lewis. Um, our final speaker is the agent, uh, Alistair Henderson. Under our rules, Mr Henderson, you have six minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, good afternoon. Uh, my, my name is Alice Henderson, and I act as planning consultant for the applicant, the Crown Estate. Um, I presented at your committee last February, um, and I would like to start this presentation firstly by reiterating points made by officers in response to the deferral um, of this application, both verbally today and within the additional text in the officers' updated report. Um, the fundamental point to understand is that this application. Um, is that all matters apart from access are reserved for future consideration for this application. Put simply, this means that the main issue is to consider whether or not the principle of up to 20 dwellings is acceptable or not. Uh, the, the mix of dwellings cannot be determined at this stage and therefore the number of bungalows to be provided on this site will not be finalised until any reserved matters application is submitted should outlined consent be granted. Um, the illustrative master plan is submitted in support of the application uh, to clearly demonstrate that a planning policy compliance scheme can be achieved on this site. Uh, hopefully that matter is now clear and, and, and resolved. During 2014, a full and impartial marketing exercise confirmed that there was no market interest for third parties to deliver the extra care element of this scheme. This has been definitively confirmed in writing by your officers and therefore an alternative form of policy compliant development has been support, sought on the land originally envisaged for the extra care facility. It should also be noted that this, confirmed, that this confirmed lack of demand has enacted a clause in the original Section 106, which means that the Barrett David Wilson scheme is now required to provide 40% affordable housing rather than 35%. The change is directly linked to the lack of market interest in the extra care facility. Uh, I'd now like to move on to reiterate some of the other key issues raised in relation to this application. Firstly, in terms of the principle of development, this has been established clearly uh, via the existing 2013 outline permission. In terms of the community facility, to be clear, the community facility does not actually form part of this planning application. The section 106 for the original outline permission on this site safeguarded the area for a community building and this remains in force. However, in addition to the original land, the Crown Estate has now confirmed that it is willing to increase this area from 0.19 acres to 0.47 acres to facilitate a larger community building and increased parking. This land will then be gifted to the local community in line with the existing section 106 commitment. In terms of the mix of units, uh, as I've already mentioned, this will be confirmed at the reserve matter stage. However, the existing mix shown on the illustrative master plan is compliant with local planning policy and, and it will also include the provision of 40% affordable units. Uh, in terms of the uh, drainage, the attenuation basin, this will be constructed as part of the consented Stansted Road development. It provides ample drainage for the 155-unit scheme, uh, this application for 20 units and also for future provision of the community building. 
In terms of car parking provision, um, this will be fixed also at the reserve matter stage. However, the, the current illustrative master plan does show how 53 spaces could be accommodated, which exceeds uh, the Essex County Council's parking standards by over 10%. And in terms of traffic movements, the application submission demonstrates that a scheme of up to 20 units would have less impact than the already approved scheme for the 55 extra care units, and the County Highways team has confirmed that there are no objections to this application. Overall, we consider that the proposal provides a positive alternative to the originally envisaged extra care facility, and in conclusion, it is worth reiterating the following key points. Uh, there have been no technical objections whatsoever raised by any of the statutory consultees. The provision of the housing will contribute to uh, Ottlesford's five-year housing land supply requirements in a sustainable location adjacent to an approved residential development. Economic benefits arise in the longer term with future residents contributing to the local economy by providing custom to local shops and services. The heads of terms for the Section 106 uh, will secure 40% affordable housing provision, ensure that open space will be provided and transferred appropriately, and provide for adequate ongoing maintenance of the drainage area. And finally, the revised scheme provides a significantly extended area for the community building to be built on at the eastern edge of the site. With these points in mind, we would respectfully ask members to follow your officer's clear recommendation to approve the application proposals before you this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Henderson. Members, let's throw it over to you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, just to, uh, can I just uh, once again ask the question that was asked by the speaker here, whether we are in a position, in fact, to, to ask him to come back with a, with a full application rather than an outline application? Mr. Brown. Glad you asked that, because I, was, I wanted to get in before you lot did. <laughs> um, there was a number of things raised by the speakers, and I will answer that question. First of all, I will speak about Dr. Mott. I agree with Dr Mott, to be honest, regarding the visitors' parking issue, and I think if this come forward to, as a reserve matters, we would have been negotiating with the developer to actually get that parking sorted out. I absolutely do agree with you. It wouldn't work on this. But having looked at it, I think it could be jigged, and I'm sure it could be jigged. So that I don't think there is an issue questionable whether or not 20 dwellings could be accommodated on that site. Um, I think the applicant, and I would always suggest this, rather than provide a layout only provide a layout where the numbers are actually questionable and I don't think 20 on here is particularly questionable uh, and so therefore I don't think we should dive in in terms of the layout. Um, the parish asked a question in terms of whether or not we, you could reject this because you feel that it, it's not good enough for it to just be an outline application and it could be a full app. You need more detail or you want it to put forward as a full application. You can do that. Um, that, is, that was in your gift to do it. I would add it's not something I'm recommending you to do, but it is something that is within your gift to do. If you feel that the peculiarities of this particular site in terms of how it sits, in terms of its relationship with other properties, it's quite often the stance we take in conservation areas that we don't accept. We can accept full applications, but um, outline applications of conservation areas, but quite often you don't grant outlines because you need all the details. So members, if they feel they need some more details, then, then you can insist and refuse it. You can't insist on the application changing to a full, but it's within your gift to refuse it because you think it's better submitted as a full application. Again, that's on the issue here in terms of whether you have got any doubt that 20 applications, 20 dwellings could be accommodated on this site. So I think that's answered that question. I will, I, will, I will, if members want me to answer questions about the, the history behind the extra care, I'm quite happy to pick that up at an earlier today, but I'm not going to preempt any questions. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Right. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, 
the feeling I have, of course, there are a number of issues, and the questions do go to the detail rather than the specific. An outline application came up for us before, and Councillor Premier pointed out that the concern historically was this is going to be a care home, um, then it wasn't going to be a care home, and now we'll put 20, 20 um, new, new sites, and then we'll give them 40% affordable. My concern, of course, is that the previous site was 120 homes with no affordables because this was going to be the alternative. Um, so to, to answer Councillor Friedman's first response about, about uh, application via stealth, I would be, be inclined to, to refuse this and ask for a full application so we know the details rather than vote on something that we don't know. Do you want me to clarify the bit about the extra care, yes, just, just to make sure that yeah. the members have got this right? When, when permission was granted in 2012 or 2013 when the plan permission was issued, it was subject to a 106. The extra care was suggested by the local authority in terms of to provide an extra care facility on this particular site. Um, officers suggested that at very early stages, and it was part of the, the original draft local plan, which is obviously has no weight because it's been withdrawn. It had no weight when we considered the application. The reason why the extra care was put forward was in lieu of 5% of the affordable housing. So originally it was approved as an extra care facility and the provision of uh, the residential development with the provision of 35% affordable housing. What has happened is within that clause, there was a clause, unless they can demonstrate the extra care cannot come forward and there's no demand for it, then the developer would have to provide 40%. They did that. They did demonstrate that there was no market for an extra care facility in Elsenham. Um, as, as members who may be involved in the discussions regarding the extra care facilities that are coming forward in Saffron Warden and Dunmo, which are coming forward, um, they are a very difficult thing to get moving in the towns, let alone within Elsenham. And that is why it didn't come forward in terms of Elsenham. And we agreed, in terms of all the potential providers, said no. And as a result of that, we indicated that to Barrett, who had purchased the site, and who came forward with 40%. So it was only approved in lieu of 5% of the affordable housing. But I do agree with what the parish say. This piece of land is now a piece of land that originally there would be almost zero value from it in terms of the provision of an extra care, and now we're having provision of residential development. So, but in pl pure planning policy terms, it's acceptable for planning planning proposals, but if, if members feel that there is a, this is a slightly different story, um, then they can insist on a full application and reject it. But again, I'm not recommending that. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Does that, uh, does that help, Councillor Fairhurst? I think Councillor Lodge. So if I just totally clarify that, in lieu of the extra care home, there is 40% affordable housing on that original site. There is an additional 5% which makes 5%. it 40. There was originally 35%. So what Councillor Fair has said, oh, said okay. was incorrect. Yeah. That there was, you said, and hopefully I've clarified that, that the provision of the Barrett site had no affordable housing on it. That extra care was only in lieu of the 5%, so the additional 5%. Excellent, thank you. And the, the second point then was... Um, if we, if we were to give outline approval here and the, the issue of the housing mix, the, bung, the, the number of bungalows then is a reserved matter, um, can we then uh, opine on that when the reserved matter comes in to ensure that we get the extra bungalows which we would, I think, all like to see? If you approved outline planning permission today, for up, up to 20 dwellings, and I should emphasise that up to makes quite quite important. If a developer comes in and they, can only, they only want to put 19 or 18 on there, so be it. They can come in with a scheme that is acceptable in planning terms, and we're back down to Essex Design Guide discussions. We can't suddenly say we actually want 
um, more, more of, we can say we want, but it's not something that we can refuse it on in terms of outline. If we have a reserve matters application that is acceptable in terms of general mix, and we're back down to 5% provision of, of, of bungalows, we cannot insist that the development is of a particular format. Um, the parish alluded to what happened in Great Chesterford. That was a development whereby Great Chesterford worked with the landowner, it, it was covered, and it, was, it actually worked with the developer. And we had a developer that was able to work with us. To be honest with you, that was a different developer. It would not have happened. And so that was lucky. But, I, but by approving an outline, you cannot guarantee you're necessarily going to get a mix, but that mix will come here, and members will be, and we may be, having a, we may be delaying a discussion um, if, a, if a volume builder came in with a normal mix that was not up to the normal bungalows that you feel is appropriate. And that's quite clearly a message I'm getting from here. Um, I would be still recommending approval for it, and you would still be saying, well, can we do anything about this? So it's a difficult position. I'm still not clear. So are, yeah, we, yeah. If, are we going to get the final say on how many bungalows there are on this development? You will have the final say, but whether or not you, a, a refusal of the lack of those, you know, if there was a, if there was a, if there was only a standard proportion of bungalows that were normally provided and you refused it, it will be very difficult to sustain that on appeal. That's what it boils down to. So you will have the final say because that development of this size will come to this committee. But we'll have, be having the same discussions now in terms of its policy compliance, so we can't refuse it. Okay, so just to finish off my involvement on that, sorry, Councillor Mills, but, but could, could I, on, on behalf of, the, of uh, I think, a number of members of the committee and the parish council, send a message to the agent who is sat in this room that if, you, if, you, if you're not more amenable to what the community actually wants, we will turn it down. Uh, thank you, Councillor Lodge. Uh, Councillor Freeman and Councillor Mills. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I feel disappointed with this application because basically we've had the agent explain to us um, what the agent can do and what we can't do, I suppose. Uh, and I don't find that particularly helpful. Um, we did say, go away, please come back with something different. And what do they do? They come back with something exactly the same, unchanged. And that's a fairly s singular statement in itself, actually. Uh, and the fact that this was originally a care or enhanced care facility, uh, and for various good reasons it isn't anymore, I do feel that this triangle of land ought to have some nodding recognition of that original purpose. Um, and at the previous time this was brought before this committee, uh, the point was made, well, you know, bungalows are very good. And indeed they are for people of limited mobility. So I think we cannot depend upon the normal mix that would be applied by the planning officers in any normal application. I think this isn't a normal application, and I think that therefore we should take whatever steps are necessary to restrict the type of property that's built on that site. Um, I'm not a planning officer. It's for the planning officers to uh, use their ingenuity in this matter, but I'm otherwise mindful of actually declining it, turning the application down and they can start again and come back again. Um, I don't like turning applications down. Of course, we need the houses. Uh, but that's my feeling at the moment, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. I'll, before I bring Councillor Mills in, I might just make the observation that uh, a lot of the comments you've just made um, and what we've heard today might have been avoided had we not deferred too early last time. Anyway, Councillor Mills, yours. Thank you, Chairman. Um, 
I think we all received a letter from uh, Mr Toby Hudson that basically said that we were minded to uh, approve this application because it um, sustained our five-year supply. I'd like to point out to them that at the moment we have 55 units in our five-year supply because of the outline approval of the nursing home. By giving them 20, we actually lose 35. Perhaps he ought to do the maths next time. Um, going on from that, uh, I appreciate also that Crown Estates have sold on to Barrett. Barrett, as I understand it, are also in discussion with the authority at the moment on, shall we say, difficulties in meeting the 40% requirement. Um, because of rent reviewing decreases and things like that. In other words, there is an ongoing issue whereby they are not necessarily accepting that 40%. Um, and in the light of the fact that we've got over 5,000 units already approved, we could build at the rate we're building at now for the next 12 years um, and still not need to actually approve any more houses. And for that reason, I just find knowing that ORS recently did a survey that said we need, um, I think it was 1,500 places by 2033 in the nursing sector. If we add that to it, um, we are going to need these sites. We may not need it today, but we will need it in the future. Um, I'm therefore mindful that um, there's enough reasons for this not to go forward. And if it was to go forward, I think that uh, we ought to be looking at uh, at least giving Elson what they want. I thought that uh, Councillor Lees is completely right, and I think uh, we ought to be going along with what is required by the local community rather than what is uh, giving the developer the maximum profit. So thank you for that. Thank you. Any further comments, councillors? Thank you. Um, yeah, far from it being a windfall site, which was... Uh, alluded to, we are suffering on, on this, so um, I'm just looking at my notes, bear with me. Right, um, so let's, uh, we need a proposal for this uh, determination, thank you. It's recommended by officers that it has conditional approval. Does that find a proposer? Mr Chairman, I propose that we reject this outright and ask them to come back with a better proposal, a full proposal. We, we, you, can, you can refuse the application or propose to refuse the application, but you need a planning reason so to do. So you need a policy behind that, please. Yes, Councillor Chambers. Uh, I, I wasn't going to speak on this, but I, I think I need to get it clear in my own mind. I fully understand what the parish council is saying and I appreciate and I totally agree we do want more bungalows. They went out of fashion but now there is a need for more bungalows. However, am I right in thinking this is an outline planning application? Correct. If it is refused then presumably they have the right to go to appeal. Correct. I'm not going against my own recommendation here, but I'm trying to help members out here because obviously I would prefer to have this discussion now in terms of a, of a refusal of an outline planning application submitted by the Crown Estates than to be sitting here in a year, 18 months' time, where a developer is sitting around a table who's bought the land, who's got an option on the land, and is quite rightly 
and, and it would be a poor developer, a developers coming forward with a development that they've bought, which has got outline plan admission of up to 20 dwellings, and I think we would actually be unfair on the developer to actually turn around and say that, bearing in mind the developer may have got the option of the land. The site is, is very, very different from a normal random piece of land that we quite often pick up in terms of fields. So there is a chance, I'm not saying that this is a, this is, this is a refusal that is a robust refusal that we would find it very easy to defend, but Ms. Councillor Mills, and I can't go into too much details about this because this was something that, mind you, that was discussed openly at the, the Housing Board yesterday. There is an issue going on regarding Barrett's in terms of the provision of whether or not, and it, but it, I should add it's not about whether they can provide 40% affordable housing, it's whether or not the form of that 40% affordable housing and, and, the, and the fundamental discussion, and don't worry if we were going to make a recommendation based upon that, that would come around this forum as well. Uh, the, the issue is about the, the mix between rental and shared ownership, that they want to do more, potentially more shared ownership than rental, and, and that is a discussion. So it's the form of residential, and I, and I do share uh, the concerns that are coming from the Housing Board regarding that particular issue. That is in the mix, and quite often part of that is part of their deal in terms of the purchase of the land from the Crown Estate, and, and you know, there's potentially overage going back there. So the options you've got in front of you here is to go to, through with a policy-compliant recommended for approval, and then we'll have this discussion later on with a developer, but I'm not going to indicate that to you. We, we will be in a weaker position then because we would have a straightforward approval. If you want to recommend refusal here, we've got to find a refusal reason in order to which we can defend or appeal, but that may bring the developer, may bring the landowner round the table to actually discuss that. Um, that's a risk that we've got in terms of where we're going. Thirdly, and I'm not, I don't think we deferring it is necessarily an option because I think the best form, quite often, the best form of negotiation is a refusal. So if members are very mindful, I think we're looking around the table here in terms of, and I'm reading the messages coming from various members, I think this is likely to be heading towards a refusal. So we need to frame something that we can actually do. How we do that, I don't know, <laughs> to be actually frank. I think the original, though, this has had permission for a care facility in the past. And, and, and I think whether or not you're insisting that it still becomes a care facility or a community facility, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the start. That's what makes this site slightly peculiar compared with any other site. And we're not setting any precedent here because there's a different, different situation. Yes, Councillor Freeman. May I suggest, uh, submit that... Um, the grounds for refusal, and I, I don't have any great knowledge of planning law, not that tome anyway, uh, but that the fact that it was uh, a site earmarked for a care facility, it, that is not recognised in the current application. And I submit that we should have an application which does give significant, attach significance to the fact that the original purpose of that land was a care facility which cannot now be provided but the need is I submit still there that is, is that a reason could I ask a question Mr Brown before we develop um, the community building land allocation there did that form part of the original outline application for the whole <coughs> property the, it goes beyond that. The, care, the community facility was, was provided 
and that's, that is a situation which is earmarked for a, for, for a, a community, for, and it goes to the heart of three planning applications. The one opposite in terms of South Sansa Road, which Crest Nicholson are bringing forward, and also a site for Bovis on the other side of the village as well. Um, those three sites contribute commensurately, you know, pro rata to that particular site, and the Crown Estate provide the land. And, and the, the, there has yeah. been an increase of land there, but it's a completely separate issue, and that's, that's, that's secured within the Section 106, and that will start biting once well, the houses start coming the, the reason for asking is that if that were part of the original consent, it was there, it was an allocation, not only for a care home, but for a community uh, building on this particular part of land, could a refusal of this application be couched in such terms as that we don't think the best use of this land is being considered when the community building is a fixed point? It should be because it was fixed with the care home in the shape it was. But now the care home's not going to be there. The whole of this plot, including the community, should be looked at again. Well, in terms of the relation, originally it was going to be a community facility with what is an extra care facility next to it and that relationship was there and now you're having residential it's a different you could couch it in that terms yeah. but obviously there needs to be reasons why that is you know what is the it is different I know why, and why and is that necessarily does, does Gen 2 come into play on an outline consent we've only got an indicative layout it's I'll come to you. Yeah, but you're talking about the principle of houses there but don't forget and picking up Councillor Mills's point earlier the 55 extra care facility that was provided do count as C3 because as we've seen from the detailed extra care facility that came through in Saffron Morden it's, an, it's basically an apartment block because it's independent living it's not actually a care so it clearly counts as apartments so we've already approved if you like residential presence next to it so the conflict between that and the and that is necessary problem. And in fact you could actually say the occupants of these of what is basically an extra care facility are likely to be people well there will be people of a certain age and so the sensitivities across may be a bit more a little mm. bit more sensitive in terms of noise, etc. I'm going to bring Councillor Hicks in because he's been patiently waiting for me to unravel something. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> um, I may have misheard, but um, I thought I heard Mr Brown say earlier that when this application first was presented, there wasn't a care home. It was at the request of the District Council that a care home was inserted, was, was uh, put into the proposal um, and in return the um, developer agreed to a re, um, reduced contribution of 35% uh, um, instead of 40%. Is, is that the way it happened or is that not quite so? No, that's not the case. From the very early stages, um, and I think we'll all agree in this room that Elsenham's taken a hit in terms of residential development, once these three sites were put forward... Um, the part of the package, if you like, in terms of what was put forward, you're going to have all these houses, you will have a pro rata contribution towards this community facility, and we put forward the idea of an extra care facility as part of the package on this particular site. There's other stuff going on on, on, the, on the other sites as well, and I won't complicate it even further on that, but the extra care was part of the package put forward by officers uh, in trying to, trying to provide more than just housing for Alsenham. So it was, it was put back at, at ad, it wasn't put forward as part of a suggestion by Crown Estate, it was put forward by officers to suggest to Crown Estate. But that was put on very early on at the pre-application stage and within the application as part of the package. Can I come back on that, Mr Chairman? 
in, in that case, um, the point I'm trying to establish is, is what some of um, our members seem to be saying is that the, the, the uh, applicant has changed their uh, mind about what they wanted to offer and that they, in a sense, have um, suited their own ends in, in uh, deleting the care facility from what's on offer. And that, uh, but in fact, what we, as Mr. Brown has just confirmed, um, it wasn't part of their initial offer. It was part of the negotiation which they went into with the um, officers of the district council, and it was the officers who suggested a care facility should become part of this development. As it happened, subsequent events proved that it wasn't going to work in Elsinore, and uh, so it was dropped out again. But so I think clinging to it as a uh, as a condition seems to be rather uh, misplaced. That was the point I wished to make, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Hicks. It's discussion, but the the jump is the extra care facility has gone. Um, it's the jump from extra care to 20 straight houses. That's the difference in terms of, so therefore, in terms of um, the, the, the non-provision of the extra care, I don't think we can push them down that route, and I, think, I don't think I'm picking that up from anyone in the room. Um, but then everything else should either be something else, a care facility in terms of what's put forward, or something in terms of a residential development that's different from the norm. And, and that's all the way through, <coughs> and that's quite clearly the steer I'm getting from members here. And um, now, trying to frame a refusal around that is, is a difficult one. And the necessary conditions about um, community facilities, and, and the community facilities condition only covers cultural community facilities. It doesn't actually cover anything regarding care, unless I'm corrected otherwise in terms of members' view of the local plan. I'm going to cut to Councillor Riles first. I'll come back to Councillor Hicks eventually. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I, I think that we're getting a little hung up about the, uh, the care facility. That's out the window. There's no demand for it. So I think we should be looking, uh, obviously, at the, the housing situation. And I agree with the Parish Council that we should be thinking of um, a, different, a better source of um, uh, housing, affordable bungalows, etc. There's a, there's a desperate need for them. Um, I, think that we I think we're going to find it very difficult Nigel's struggling to find a policy on which he can refuse this. Okay? That's fundamental. We do have an option that if they do come back with a full application that we can determine and put pressure on, hopefully, uh, the style of housing and the affordable housing they're going to put forward. Um, <clears throat> also, if I understand this right, I may be wrong, but if the parish council is saying that they want to look, they're not actually saying they don't want the housing, but they want the style of housing to be suitable to the area. I think a planning inspector, when they look at this, if they do look at this refusal, they're going to say, well, hang on, the parish council actually are, have accepted that there is a need for something in the area. So my, my thoughts are that we should, um, I think we should possibly go ahead with this, uh, support this proposal, and then use our opportunity when it comes in full to determine that we do get the housing uh, that, the, that the parish council wants. But to keep re referring back to the um, the, the, the care facility is, 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 should be struck off completely now because it's not even a, a material point anymore. There's no need for it. Okay. 
Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, we're looking for a, for a reason for rejecting this. Um, we know that it's inappropriate. Um, I would like to, to ask um, um, Mr Brown, with regard to the concept of sustainability, there are three components, and one of the components is social applicability or appropriateness. And I think that the, 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 the issue in the room at the moment is that this is not appropriate for the social um, um, process. It is not actually sustainable. So it's on a question of sustainability that there is a, there's a social reason why it in fact should be rejected. That's my view. Before you answer that, I'll just bring Councillor Hicks back and you may well want to colour the argument. Councillor Hicks. Chairman, I think in order for us to resolve this, I think um, I would like to propose that the, um, uh, ap the application should be approved. Does that find a seconder? I'll second it from the Chair. Thank you. So we'll get the vote going. Um, so, Councillor Freeman had a question of you, Mr. Brown. Did he not? You did. And I think this is, I think you've hit on something here, to be honest. <laughs> I think it is quite unique in this particular case. So, I, I really suggest you don't make a habit of doing this. But I think this particular case, it, this, it's, we approved what was and what we were trying to achieve on this particular site. And throughout all their sites in Elsenham, it doesn't feel like it at the moment because all they're, all they're seeing is housing, but they're not seeing the other stuff coming as well, is a balanced, sustainable community. And more housing probably may knock this over the kilter. So it's back going down to the first principles of the MPPF, which the policy hasn't picked up and the local plan wouldn't pick up in terms of that particular issue. And so it's back down to first principles of the, the, the development by constitution, it just being... Um, 20 houses on the, or 20 developments on this particular site does not constitute a sustainable development based upon um, attributable cases around the site. You know, we can come up with formal words on that particular issue. Mr. Chairman, I move that we reject it on those terms. Well, we have a we have to proposal and right? which has been seconded <coughs> for approval. So, no, we didn't have a, we didn't have a reason for the refusal proposal but we did we have got reasons we've got a proposal for the approval which is the recommendation which we don't need a reason for so we'll take that one first um, because we never had a formal proposal yeah so all those in favor of approval as noted please show and against So that proposal is lost. Now we need a proposal for refusal, please. Mr Chairman, as said, on, based on, on the suggestions of Mr Brown. Yeah, I would, I would suggest um, the, the development constitutes non-sustainable development as per the, the national paragraphs within the MPPF and it, in, in line of the, the, the other components of the greater plan for that area. I, c I can come up with the formal words around that particular issue because it's back to first principles. Right, does that proposal find a seconder? Councillor Freeman, thank you. And so we shall go to the vote on refusing on the grounds that Mr Brown has outlined and will confirm to us. All those in favour of refusal, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. And against? One, two. An abstention here. Thank you. Right, that application is refused. Yes, uh, we're going to have a five-minute comfort break, councillors.
Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We now recommence with application UTT 153229, application for full planning permission at Langley, and Mr Theobald will take us through the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. As members saw on their, their meeting this morning, uh, this, the Want Cottage, it's a proposed change of use of meadowland to a solar energy site to accommodate 150 kilowatt uh, PV installation comprising 600 solar panels with associated temporary fixings. Um, I don't particularly wish to describe the site again. Uh, hopefully it was self-evident from uh, this morning's um, meeting. So you're familiar with the site. The site area uh, edged in red is the footprint of the solar array and again as described you can see the relationship between the, the Want Cottage listed building at the top of the site and uh, the, the centre where this would take place and then uh, outside the applicant's control at the bottom is that spinny which you saw. And uh, just to refresh there are two public footpaths within the vicinity of the site, one that sort of goes off in a southwest direction across the field and the other public footpath, number 15, which goes diagonally across to this field gate and then continues down there, and it dissects through this uh, new fence line hedge being established. And uh, the proposal is for this array here with this new internal hedge planting, thus, and then there would be further planting along this boundary and then around this rear boundary to meet up and there would be some bolstering of planting in this corner and that corner and so the footpath wouldn't be impeded by the proposal. Uh, the solar array frames would have a height of 1.4 metres as you saw and painted black. Uh, just one thing to say uh, which wasn't mentioned by myself at the uh, the meeting this morning, there may be a question uh, for that, that this particular uh, solar scheme won't necessitate any on-site plant or equipment such as inverter stations or uh, transformer stations. The reason for that is if um, you'd notice there is a, a three-phase electricity uh, pylon line, local one going along here from uh, here all the way down to there and uh, the electricity generated would be simply hooked up to one of the, the pylons there and uh, there may be a requirement on it for some kind of small inverter or transformer to convert and, and follow up to uh, uh, the buildings up here. Um, the, the array is approximately 150 metres from the nearest point to the Wonk Cottage listed building. I've mentioned the, the new boundary treatment. So, yeah, um, the, the issues arising from this application, as per the report, um, are in terms of the impact on the, the countryside, ecology, and the setting of the nearby listed building. Now, in terms of the analysis, uh, its officers uh, view, well, first of all, uh, this represents a small-scale solar farm on existing meadowland within the control of the applicant. In terms of 
uh, land status, uh, the proposal would not lead to the loss of any agricultural land and therefore no loss of um, national uh, food security. That's an important point. Uh, it would not have, in officers' view, uh, the report uh, any significant harmful effect on the character of the setting of the wider rural landscape, given the natural landscape features and contours of the site and the existence of the spinney at the bottom, which would frame and protect the installation from longer views from the west. It would not have a harmful impact on any protected species, and it would not have a significantly harmful impact on the setting of the nearby listed building, given the distance away from this heritage asset, the sloping nature of the site and the proposed planting of the internal dividing hedge at the top, which will be kept at a height of 1.6 metres. And as uh, the plan shows, additional boundary planting would be provided to screen and contain the solar installation further from any wider views. Um, further, the public's experience of walking the public footpaths, particularly number 15, should not be significantly lessened by the proposed installation given its small-scale and screened nature. Uh, in terms of ecology, there is a condition recommended to the report relating to landscape and ecology management for biodiversity enhancement measures to be introduced at the site through the provision of additional hedgerow treatment and also the creation of a wildflower meadow, albeit that the previous change of use of the land of the site from agricultural was in fact that of a meadow, but that could be enhanced in terms of any specification. So therefore, Chairman, it is considered in the planning balance that the benefits of providing a small-scale renewable energy scheme at this sheltered rural location as proposed would outweigh any actual or perceived harm which may be caused to the wider landscape or to the nearby listed building, which is considered to be less than significant for the reasons stated. Therefore, Chairman, it's recommended that this application be approved. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Theobald. Um, can I slightly change the order of speakers on the listed agenda? Um, Councillor Oliver was due to speak first, but um, we've heard from him before, and he's expressed um, a desire not to go over old ground, as it were, so we'll, we'll let him come last. And our first speaker will be Mr. Gale. Thank you. Well, fine, thank you. Mr. Gates, you have three minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, following the planning uh, committee's meeting to the site this morning, you can appreciate what a, a lovely uh, environment Langley actually is at the present time. It is a totally rural environment. Um, there is no commercial enterprise in Langley at all, apart from down the road where there is a small industrial site. Why is therefore a commercial enterprise such as this, which it is a commercial enterprise, will be allowed in this area? Your own conservation officer was recommended a refusal, but you seem to have completely ignored what she said. Mentioned several times in last month's planning meeting report that this scheme meets local needs. What are local needs? These are not local needs as far as the local people are concerned. Um, your planning officer has just really decided what this scheme will be. It plums electricity straight into the grid. 
Um, in the proposal from last, uh, last month, the application says it's for primary domestic use. We have not as yet got the technology to do this. Solar panels cannot be used uh, by your own house. They have to be plumbed straight into the grid and you receive uh, uh, money from the government for doing this. So yeah, that's mentioned three times in the last proposal that it's for domestic use only. It's not. What are the longer term plans? Um, I know the owner very well. I've known him very many years. Uh, he won't necessarily stay here for the length of time. So what will happen to the site in the future? I support solar energy. I have some myself. I support it in the right place. Roofs, existing buildings, industrial sites. The owner has access to these who could use those significantly. The 150 kilowatts of electricity that's proposed from this site is enough to power 40 odd homes. There's one home here. The rest of it is going to go to the grid. Um, I would urge the committee to think seriously about this, uh, what will be the longer term aspects for this site and I feel it would set a precedent. How will similar sites in the village be refused if this is approved? Thank you. Thank you Mr Gates. And the next speaker <coughs> is Mr John Mitchell, not the recent departed chief exec. You have three minutes, Mr Mitchell. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, I'm actually going to read from a prepared script, which I think has been circulated um, previously. I've lived at the Old Vicarage in Langley since 1989, and I've been in practice as a planning lawyer in City of London law firms for more than 40 years. Members need to choose between the recommendation of the generalist case officer to permit and the specialist advice of the conservation officer to refuse the application. I respectfully urge members to prefer the advice of the Conservation Officer, Mrs Hart. First, this was no borderline recommendation, but a root and branch objection. Having considered the impact of the proposed scheme, I am concerned primarily regarding the impact of the solar array upon the setting of the heritage asset. This impact would be felt not only from the grounds of the property and the first floor of the property itself, but also from the public rights of way and several viewpoints further south and to the west. In particular, there would be extensive views from footpath 15 from which the development would be viewed very clearly in the foreground of the heritage asset. This development would lead to the introduction of an extensive array of clearly modern, man-made structures to the rural agricultural setting of the listed building, which would appear incongruous within this context, detracting from the overall significance and historical setting of this important building, which positively contributes to the character and appearance of the area and the public amenity of the dedicated footpaths by reason of its elevated position, traditional form and materials. In his response, the case officer accepts that harm would be caused, but that the harm, and I quote, would not be so significant as to justify refusal under local plan policy Gen 7. There is no analysis of the issues whereby that conclusion is reached and no analysis of Mrs Hart's robust findings to the contrary. In paragraph B of the conclusion, he adds that the impact on the heritage asset would not be harmful due to the hedge screening which is proposed. This is a clear reflection of the fact that the case officer, with no expertise in heritage assets, fails to understand the issues. In her expert assessment of them, Mrs Hart advised that if the proposed planting went ahead, then the required height of the hedgerow in order to sufficiently screen the array, is likely to obscure views of the heritage asset itself, thereby compromising the primacy and position of a listed building 
which would in itself cause a degree of harm, particularly to the public views from the public rights of way. In the case of conflicting advice between an expert conservation officer and a planning officer with no expertise in heritage assets, it would be perverse to prefer the advice of the latter in the absence of a compelling justification for doing so. And there is none. There is one utterly compelling reason to reject the case officer's recommendation. Section 66 of the Planning, Listed Buildings and Conservation Areas Act 1990 is headed General Duty as Respects Listed Buildings in Exercise of Planning Functions. And subsection 1 says this. In considering whether to grant planning permission for development which affects a listed building or its setting, the local planning authority shall have special regard to the desirability of preserving the setting and the significance of the heritage asset. From the starting points that the conservation officer had recommended refusal because of the level of harm upon the setting and significance of the heritage asset, and the case officer had acknowledged that there would be harm, the statutory duty to have special regard to the desirability of their preservation should have been at the forefront of the case officer's deliberations. It is the measure and the scale of the fundamental defects in the case officer's approach that nowhere does he refer to the absolute statutory obligation on this council to pay special regard to the desirability of preserving the setting and significance of the heritage asset. It is entirely clear that the case officer has had no regard to the statutory obligation and that his recommendation is therefore flawed in law. In terms of the legal constraints by which they are bound, members have been led up the garden path and if this application were granted, there is every risk of a successful claim for judicial review. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Mitchell. And now, finally, Councillor Oliver. Thank you very much for your consideration, Councillor. Thank you. And that was the last of the objectors. Our final speaker is the applicant, Mr Bill Bampton. And I can give you six minutes, Mr Bampton. You'll be pleased to know I don't need six minutes. Um, Chairman and Members, um, thank, firstly, thank you for braving the Langley weather this morning to attend the site visit. I hope you've all thawed out. Um, over 95% of the world's scientific community now accept that man-made global warming is the biggest issue facing our planet. We all need to act to minimise the effects, um, which are, are the principal reason for the proposals. For the few people who still doubt the urgency, I would say that the risk of taking action um, to alleviate global warming is far less than the risk of not taking action. So even if there is some doubt, we should all still do our bit. I think the 600 panels pro um, proposed has proved to be a little emotive as it sounds large. It's worth pointing out that it only occupies half an acre of land. Um, as eloquently put by my good friend and neighbour, um, John Mitchell, a respected planning lawyer, um, and raised in his previous letters of representation, there appears to be three main issues for consideration. Um, loss of productive agricultural land, 
Um, the meadow is not in full-time agricultural production. It is occasionally grazed by neighbour's sheep. This activity can still take place with the solar panels installed. Therefore, there is no loss of agricultural land or production. The impact on the open countryside. The site is generally well screened and not particularly visible. Where there are any deficiencies, additional landscaping is proposed, which will render the half-acre site inconspicuous. In, in Three, the adverse effect on the setting of a listed building. You would have noticed from your site visit um, the solar panels on the two nearby houses, the extent of the extensions to the listed building and the scale of the outbuildings. You would also notice the slope of the land, the existing screening and the proposed additional hedgerow and the 150 metres plus separation and are now in a good position to judge for yourself if there is any adverse effect. If I believe that the proposals would have any significant effect on either the listed house or any of my neighbours or for that matter anyone else, I would be looking elsewhere to implement renewable technologies. The application is recommended for approval. Um, the officer's report is well reasoned and thorough. I believe the proposal fully complies with both local and national policy and hopefully will be approved. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bampton. Are members, uh, questions, comments? Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, there's an awful lot of misinformation in this sort of subject. And may I just share with members that each of us uses or requires 112 kilowatt hours of energy every day. And I'm sure some of the people that spoke at this um, case when it came forward came here by car and they would have produced an awful lot of energy in getting here by car and they'll produce a similar amount going back. Um, this is a modest installation. Uh, I tend to regard solar energy as a crop and saying that somebody can't have it is a little bit like saying you can't grow a particular crop in your field or you can't keep a particular type of animal in your field. Of course it doesn't suit for whatever reason. Um, so I have no problems with this whatsoever as the applicant has correctly pointed out uh, you can keep other animals there if you wish. Um, for the record, solar panels don't last forever. They have a life of about 20 or 25 years, uh, and then you can take them away. It's not as if you're changing the use of the land irrevocably. Uh, but I would ask people to reflect on how much energy they need just to live their lives. And all the people in Langley are using that, and it's coming down through the grid or whatever. And I think a modest, and it is a modest, attempt to put a little bit back in uh, is uh, a laudable attempt uh, and one which I certainly fully support, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Freeman. Uh, right, I've got Councillor Chambers, then Councillor Hicks. Mr Chairman, you heard my uh, comments at the last meeting. I would just like to propose approval. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, thank you. Do you wish to speak? Uh, thank you, Chairman. Uh, yes, I, I can't help agreeing with everything that Mr Bamford has uh, said. Um, I'm I, to my cost, spent um, hours this morning in his grounds there, getting very wet and very muddy. And uh, but um, I think to try and make out a case that the um, 
the Grade uh, 2 listed building that uh, is in question uh, is affected in any way by the situation of those um, panels is ludicrous. I think the, uh, they are well away from the house and the, as this, the slope of the land um, uh, it contributes very much to um, uh, the division between the uh, proposed development and, and the historic building and uh, I, I cannot see there where that comes into play at all and uh, frankly it's as good a use of uh, that piece of meadow land as any and I would be um, very happy to support uh, Councillor Chambers in the proposal. Thank you very much Councillor. Councillor um, Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, just a point before we go to vote. Um, it was stated by one of the speakers that, that special regard should be had to listed buildings, and I think it's very important. Um, another comment was made that we should be very careful not to set a precedent and put up uh, solar arrays wherever we like. Um, for that reason, I was a little bit sceptical when I went into the mud today. Um, but I must say that on the basis of what we saw in terms of the, the scope, the screening, and there seems to be a tremendous amount of effort has been made to screen and grow hedgerows and things, and the distance from the building for me, are sufficient to mitigate the, 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 the possible harm of the site. So I would suggest I would certainly be supporting this action. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Mills. Just to reiterate what everybody else has said, basically. Um, personally, I'd much rather see them in this type of location than on the roofs of houses where everybody stares at them all the time. So I also shall be uh, supporting this application. Thank you. I've just got one observation to make, and I don't wish to sort of upset anybody or anything, but... Uh, I think Mr Gates made the point it's a commercial enterprise well surely any photovoltaic panel, photovoltaic panel that someone puts on their roof is a commercial enterprise if you're not in during the day and you're not using that electricity you are gaining, earning money through it so can I just clarify something before people go to the vote I think it's picking up Councillor Hicks's point I know there's a lot of um, people talking about, and, and, and the applicant and also some members have spoken about the, the, the very much pluses side of, of renewable energy, which I, would, which I would agree with. The fundamental issue here is whether or not this, this causes harm to the setting of the listed building. Yeah. If it did, it would be recommended for refusal, however, however, however good the green credentials of the matter are. And it is irrelevant whether it's commercial or for domestic use. Um, and so therefore, that is, the discussion was quite as simple as that. We have a duty of care to pay special regard to the setting of a listed building. Mr Mitchell was absolutely right. The Conservation Officer has, has the right to put forward very strong, robust views. And I think the Case Officer, and it's not just the Case Officer's view, it is my view as well, but ultimately it's your decision in terms of making, taking regard to the setting of a listed building. And, and I think that is the fundamental discussion. You, if you feel that there is not causing harm to the setting of a listed building, then, you sh and then that is the discussion, irrespective of your views over, over renewable energy. So we need to make it for the right reasons at the end of the day. Okay, thank you. For no further comments, we have a recommendation for approval which has been seconded. So all those in favour, please show. Thank you. That matter is approved. Our next application is item 4.6 on the agenda, UTT 16-0210. It's an application for full planning consent at Saffron Walden. And Mr Brown, I think you're taking us through. You can find your papers. Yeah, 
Uh, two of us are members of the planning committee at uh, Saffron Warden Town Council, so we have a non-pecuniary interest. Fine, thank you. That's Councillor Fairhurst and Councillor Freeman declaring a non-pecuniary interest as members of Saffron Warden Town Council. Excuse me, Mr Chairman. As a member of the Planning Committee of the Town Council. As members of the Planning Committee on Correction. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairman. Um, this is a retrospective planning application for the change of use of living accommodation on property called Fitzpiers in Saffron Walden. Uh, the, the critical issue here is the photo. Um, this is a four-bedroom house um, which currently only has one parking space. That's the situation today, irrespective of the use of what's going on the land. I think there's been a lot of discussion about car parking on this particular site. That damage, if you like, has already been done by the four-bedroom dwelling being converted, being, having the living accommodation, the garage accommodation being converted to uh, reason for, for purposes ancillary to the enjoyment of the dwelling house. And what has happened here is the property has been converted without the need for planning permission for gym use within the property. What has since emerged is that people have been allowed to come and it's sort of moved to become um, um, being used as a business and it's probably just gone, across, just gone past that line of fact and degree of requiring planning permission. Um, so the, the, the principal two principal considerations here are whether or not uh, the use causes a problem in terms of car parking. Um, in terms of the general visitors to the site um, and the need for car parking, um, that is pretty low-key low in terms of the movements to the site in terms of car parking. If you like, the problem is you've got a four... Well, it's not necessarily a problem. You've got a four-bedroom house, one car parking space, and the change of use to, a, to a, um, a gym for which some people, members of the public, can attend. The requirement in terms of car parking is, is relatively low. The secondly, the need in terms of any disturbance from the use of this premises uh, retrospectively um, um, in terms of acoustic music. So what we have decided to do as planning officers, because this has only been operating for a number of months, it hasn't been operating for a very long period, is, is to offer a temporary permission to suck, and see it, suck it and see, to see how it operates over the, next, over the next year, because it has only been operating for the last three months. There may have been some initial setting it up and maybe some, some, some TV issues regarding the site to see whether or not we can review it in a year's time. And within a year's time, we may consider that it is not acceptable. In a year's time, we may consider it is acceptable, but there may be some additional conditions maybe we, may, we may need to put on. At this stage, in terms of the suck it and see recommendation, we have suggested operating hours from the site, um, that there should be no operations um, outside of the suggested hours on page 86, condition 2, and also that there be no amplified music from within the gym that can be heard from outside the premises. We can revisit those conditions in a year's time, um, but I suggest a, a temporary permission um, is considered an appropriate way forward and the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Thank you, Mr Brown. Our first speaker is uh, District Councillor Redfern. You have five minutes, Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'd just like to explain why I am here, as this isn't in my own um, patch, but I have been asked to speak on behalf of a local member, another district councillor, and also I had some representations to myself. So I'm here with uh, Councillor Asker's blessing, I think. Um, 
And um, I would like to say that I, I just think it must be really disappointing for the applicants to find themselves here in front of the planning committee um, as they have liaised with this council before embarking on the work. Um, but nonetheless, there's been 28 representations um, for this, received for this application and only one of them was an objection. These are good neighbours and are considerate to the surroundings. Very few of their clients arrive by car. This is, a visit any this is not a visit any time you like, Jim. This is a personal, mainly one-to-one -one by appointment arrangement. Frankly, I cannot see the difference between this and a music teacher or similar working from home, and we wouldn't restrict this. It seems unfair to put these conditions on a business when, t when to date, they have, ha they have done nothing wrong. <coughs> um, Sorry, no, nothing wrong. Conditions one leaves them feeling nervous for another year about what is going to happen, and this is not nice for any business to work under. What a business needs is certainty. Condition two, short hours on Saturday and Sundays and bank holidays. These are often the times that people are available and want to visit a gym. Um, and I do think that this is something we should be looking to encourage, not trying to restrict. I would really like to urge the committee to approve this application, but ideally without um, Condition 1 and with a more relaxed Condition 2, and I'd be happy with no change to Condition 3. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councillor. Uh, next speaker is Claire Thompson. That's what I've got on my list. Don't be shy. Are you Mr. and Mrs. Thompson, are you? I've only got one Thompson down, but you can both I share should, it. Sorry, yeah. can I just clarify that yeah. we've got Claire Thompson down as a supporter and we've got Peter Thompson down as the applicant. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, ah, right. that's sorry. how it yeah, works. Yeah. So I don't know how you... Yeah, but you're, you are entitled to speak as a supporter, and you're, you're entitled to speak as an applicant later on, bearing in mind there are other speakers right. as well. All I should add is that it will be because we have an objector as well, and so therefore the objector, all, all that the chairman will ensure to do that the, that the objector has the, as a commensurate amount of time. So that's, that's how it works. So you will have your time. You're not losing time, but no. we're not going so, down there this time. So we go with Claire Thompson first as a supporter. Okay. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, thank and thank you. you very much for your time here this afternoon. Uh, first of all, um, as you can see by the photograph that's in front of you, yes, we have two French doors instead of a garage door. Hopefully that's more pleasant to the eye. One of our main reasons for setting up this gym was the fact that we wanted to help out with people um, on a local basis that weren't able to attend normal public gyms on a one-to-one -one basis, whether it's for uh, inability of getting there or for various personal reasons. One thing we have made very um, particular to all our clients is that there is no parking outside our residence to the extent that we even have some people who are arriving with crutches and being parking up the road and then coming down on those crutches on their own accord. Otherwise they tend to arrive by bicycle or by walking. The idea of a personal private gym is that it's no more noisy than if I was outside washing my car on a Saturday afternoon and listening to the cricket. It's probably a lot quieter because I'd be inside. There should be no any extra noise. We are rather a 20th century, not a 21st century family. We don't really have amplified music. And in fact, people look in horror at the, at the, 
at the uh, equipment that sometimes I've produced. We don't have any noisy equipment, and mainly the things that we're doing, as I say, is on a one-to-one -one basis, so there'll be two people in there at any one time. On a very rare occasions, there are two or three, if it is a family, who are coming together as a unit for a special reason. That is the point that I'd like to put forward. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Thompson. Um, we'll carry on with the supporting side, and we've got Mark Wesley. You have three minutes, Mr Wesley. I don't think I'll need three. I'm here to speak on behalf of the majority of the residents of Fitzpiers community, which is what we really are in this cul-de-sac, who support Claire and Pete Thompson and their private training service. Now, Claire is recognised as a long-standing contributor to Saffron Walden's well-being by virtue of her status as a celebrated athlete and the ongoing support she provides to local schools, enthusing and encouraging children to get out and take part in sport. Now, the gym she and Pete have installed in their garage is a modest affair. It's dedicated to the training of single clients by appointment only, uh, sharing the community's love of our neighbourhood and to protect the privacy we all enjoy in Fitzpiers, they promised from the outset that the occasional visitor would arrive on foot, leaving any transport elsewhere, and they wouldn't want it any other way. Now, regarding the issue of noise that might be generated from within the gym, I'll borrow the words of the neighbour whose living room is closest to the gym and the one most likely to be affected in this regard. Her name is Nicola Housden, and she lives at number 14, Fitzpiers. And she wrote, and some of you may have seen this, the gym is not a disturbance to me or my family in any way. The clients that come are always friendly and never noisy. There is never any music playing, and I applaud their efforts to utilize the space, helping people achieve their goals. With so many commercial gyms around, this can only be a good thing. So, she adds, keep up the good work, neighbors. So, clearly, if the person most likely to be disturbed by the gym has not encountered any noise problems, there are no parking issues. And all but one of the neighbours in Fitzpiers have no objections whatsoever. It would seem unfair to uh, deny Claire and Pete approval for this modest private facility. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. And uh, Jane Della is our next speaker. Can we take the microphone over? Please. Stay there. Stay there. We're going to... You might have guessed I'm the client on crutches. <laughs> um, thank you for listening to me today. I just wanted to make two very clear points. One is um, not to be misled by the word gym, because I think um, words create very strong images in our mind, and this is not a gym in a typical sense. There's no um, private membership to this gym. There's no independent use of machines. There's no music, and there's certainly no parking. Claire and Pete make it very, very clear to anybody who goes to their gym that they must park elsewhere and walk. On occasion last year, when I was wheelchair-bound, a car did deliver me to the gym, but it left straight away, and it came back an hour later. So 
none of Claire's and Pete's clients ever park outside her house when using the gym. So that needs to be very clearly stated. This gym, as it's been termed, is just a personal exercise space that supports Claire in her work as a personal trainer. There are no more than five machines in this room, no more than perhaps an average fitness enthusiast might have in his own home. And all those enthusiasts aren't coming to meet you and talk about their fitness machines every week. Claire spends most of her week out with primary schools training young children to run, sharing her passion for sport. She works with running clubs in town, but works in public places. She has some work in her home, but not all of her week is spent training gym bunnies in her, in her own home. So think very carefully when we, when we use the word gym, and perhaps let's talk about a personal exercise space. My second point is that this facility allows people like me, and I know other disabled clients of Claire's to access a gym. People who wouldn't be comfortable to go to a public place, a public gym. It allows us to get fit and recover. I was hit by a drunk driver last year and spent most of the year in a wheelchair, but I'm getting better. But all of that is credit to Claire. She's worked very closely with a physiotherapist and she's restoring my sense of vitality and she's making me better. And she does that for a number of other clients. I'm not Claire's only disabled client. She has other clients who, aren't, who are too self-conscious self to go to a gym, who feel uncomfortable going to such a public place. She only works one-to-one. -one. So my, my message is twofold. It's not a gym in a typical sense of the word. It's a private exercise space, and it gives access to this uh, a fitness program to people who aren't able to access it elsewhere. It would be an absolute tragedy if it wasn't allowed to continue and it would also make it very difficult if restrictions were put upon it. My husband or my children or my carers had to take me to Claire's gym last year. I've only just started driving again and um, I couldn't, they were at work. I had to rely on them taking me outside of hours. So and we, used it, we accessed it sometimes at the weekend, sometimes in the week, sometimes in the evenings. But I have a family of five. We make an awful lot more noise than Pete and Claire do. <laughs> and this gym, you wouldn't know it was there. So thank you for listening. Thank you. And our next speaker is an objector, and that's Anne Barrow. Now, uh, Mrs. Barrow, I can give you, oh gosh, I could give you 17 minutes, but you don't really need 17 minutes, do you? Uh, you, you say what you need to say. Thank you. Is that on? This is about facts, laws and planning policy. This is a commercial gym confirmed both by case officer, Tim Point One, and the client in the application, Point Three. We live in a residential conservation area. Point 3.1 from the case officer, quote, the gym is frequented by clients of the occupants of the dwelling and is not open to members of the public, unquote. These are paying clients attending, these are paying clients attending by appointment. Unless they are friends and family of the applicant, they must be members of the general public. Business is generated by word of mouth to the general public. The business is forbidden as per the restrictive covenant in our deeds, which briefly states 
No trade or business should be carried out on said land. No nuisance, annoyance, damage or inconvenience to the adjoining or neighbouring land. Purchasers shall comply with all rules and regulations with any county or local or other authority and provisions of town planning legislation relating to the land. We have all signed our deeds and accepted these terms. Point 10.1, my house, though attached, is positioned slightly behind number 15 and level with number 14. My main entrance steps lead into the area in front of the entrance to the gym, creating an enclosed corner behind the stairway. We step out in front of the gym. Noise reverberates and travels upwards into my house. Often the doors and windows of the gym are open, of the gym, and we hear transferred noise and verbal instructions. Also, clients arrive and leave. The case officer proposes that the gym could potentially be in use 70.5 hours a week. That's 12.5 hours most days and 8 hours on a Saturday. There are two personal trainers and clients often attend in pairs and groups. This has been witnessed. Therefore, there could possibly be up to 100 clients per week or even more. Not as stated in 10.3, quote, as such it is unlikely that two clients would be at the property at the same time, unquote. This has serious implications for safety, noise and parking for the residents in Fitzpiers. However, if the Council decides to grant planning permission to the change of use, regard should be had to hours of operation, restricted to perhaps 9 to 3, Monday to Friday, whilst residents might be aware at work using their cars. How will the Council effectively control and monitor any intensification of the current unlawful commercial use? Should this permission be granted, this sets a precedent for others who would wish to operate a business such as this from home. Point 9.1, this statement is incorrect. The case officer has some facts wrong. There are 18 houses in Fitzpiers. Occupants of eight houses only have commented some twice. This is a legal document. Facts should be correct. Important decisions are made on these facts. Others in the close do not wish to publicly oppose the, this venture, but have spoken to me of grave concerns. Not everyone in this close is willing to come and stand here. A quote from an opponent of the application states that, quote, and can confirm that he has seen clients of Clare's parking on the main road into Fitzpiers, contrary to what is being stated. We live in a residential conservation area. We all chose to live there in a peaceful close. To have a commercial business next door is very difficult. May I say that number 13 has no parking place. They have taken away the only two parking places they had. They now only have the turning point to put their car in. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Dower. And now our final speaker <coughs> is the applicant, Peter Thompson. Do you have three minutes, Mr. Thompson? Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Chairman and councillors. Um, Claire and I have lived in Fitzpiers for 13 years. We are caring, responsible members of the community and are receptive to the genuine complaints of those that live around us. Our gym is primarily for our own reuse. However, we are both qualified personal trainers and we do accept people uh, to train by appointment only and usually one-to-one. 
as has been said, often these people are recovering uh, from injury, have body issue problems, and lack the confidence to go to commercial gyms. They are not likely to be people lifting heavy weights or needing loud music, and we would never play loud music. There's no advertising and there's no signage. Uh, the issue of parking. Um, none of our clients park in Fitzpiers. We've produced a list um, showing uh, how, where our clients live, how they arrive. Most of them are local and would, it's not worth getting their car out anyway. They would walk. You can check this from the letters of support that we've received. But... Um, yeah, we have a list of clients and, and none of them are now parking in Fitzpiers. This includes people who we consider friends rather than clients. We've even asked them to park in car parks and walk through to Fitzpiers. Only one resident has raised any concerns about parking. Many have stated that they see no difference at all. Um, another claim made against us was that uh, since gym activities began, we have noticed activity from early morning through to evening seven days a week. This is impossible. The gym is a, only a small part of our work. Claire coaches at three different schools on three afternoons each week. I work at the Sanger Institute on Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays and some weekends. We coach a total of five fitness groups away from Fitzpiers every week. Claire travels to coach several people in their own homes each week. We also do our own training. We are the primary users of our own gym. Nobody uses the gym without Claire or I being present. With problems such as obesity, diabetes and depression, we need in this country to get people more active. The government fully support this, as it does working from home. Jane has already said how much our work has helped her, but there are other stories too. We had a message of support from Mr John Sterling of De Bowen Court, whose wife is registered disabled. Her letter ends, his letter ends, This is not a commercial gym. It is a safe, friendly environment where people can try to improve their quality of life. There is nowhere else in Saffron Walden or within reach where my wife can exercise and do so with her children. The impact this has on the confidence and well-being of my family cannot be understated. It would be a disaster for my family and I suspect for a number of others if it were to close. Our application has received a great deal of support including eight of our neighbours within the small close of Fitzpiers. We would like to ask the Council to support us without restriction in the continuation of our work, which has no ill effects on the life of its peers. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Thompson. <coughs> Before we start, members, I've got a question for Mr Brown. Um, Nigel, in your <coughs> uh, presentation, you said it was touch and go, I think, or as being close to not needing an application. How does this relate into a situation where I mean, I'll take a, uh, an example of my own, where my wife was a reflexologist and she practised from home. She had people visiting. So how near, and she didn't need consent for that, so how near to that are we? Um, the whole idea, in, in, and I think Councillor Redfern, I think, referred to music lessons, and I think that's absolutely spot on in terms of how it is. You could have a, a piano in one room and a clarinet and a space to play a clarinet in another room. Um, that is quite, that is a business from home that is often considered acceptable. And so, therefore, the fact and degree decision discussion is whether or not 
the actual overview, overall appearance, the house changes from being a house with a little bit of business to a business. And the two main tests are basically, well, three main tests. So first of all, any noise coming from the property. Secondly, any parking issues with people coming and going. And it is counterintuitive, but it works. If you've got a property with no parking, people won't go there. If this property had six car parking spaces, you'll see a lot more traffic going to it with no parking. And thirdly, is whether or not anybody else is employed. No one else is employed on this particular property. There are two, um, there are two, the, two, the, two the two residents are the two employees, if you like, in terms of this property, but it's fundamentally a use. I would say this is very close. What has happened here is, in my other hat on, in terms of dealing with enforcement issues, a matter is referred to us as a complaint. We make a decision in terms of coming and goings, in terms of feeling that it requires a planning permission and invited a planning application, and we received one. We could have had a further discussion about this, and it may have pushed it over the back down the edge in terms of not needing permission. My still gut reaction is what I'm hearing today means it's just pushed it over the edge in terms of requiring needs, because there are quite a few people coming and going, and there are activities regarding the site. So, I still think it does need permission, but only just in terms of factor and degree, and, uh, and that's why. But the big test is it's only been going on for a few months, and that's why the suggestion for a temporary permission to suck it and see. Um, and that's why we could also revisit the operating hours after a year's time as well. But that's within GIF. Members could technically today, they've got options to approve planning permission, and uh, you could decide not to offer a temporary consent, but to offer permanent consent. But I should also add, by doing that, you are losing any other chances of putting any other restrictions. I don't think there would be any other restrictions, but we don't know that until we suck it and see. So that's why you've got a recommendation for temporary consent. Thank you. And I'd just like to follow on from that, members, if you permit me. Um, is there any... Um, Jackie used to use the word wriggle room. If we changed condition one to being personalised in terms of Mr and Mrs Thompson while they reside in the premises and if they move or if they leave that premises, the use ceases? That could be something that we could put on after a year's time, but I, I would actually say it's if you, it depends. If you, if you decide not to give a temporary consent, to give a permanent consent, then I would, I would advise doing that, saying that the, 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 the occupation should be confined to the occupants of that property if you like. But if you feel that the occupants of the property, the way Mr and Mrs Thompson are actually operating, it's better for it to be then, you can say Mr and Mrs Thompson whilst occupying that property. So you could do that. That may be something that we may want to have considered once we gave it permanent permission, but that may be a discussion that you want to give today if you want to give permanent permission. But I wouldn't suggest you put it on now um, if we're only going to temporary permission. So it's either go with a recommendation or don't go with a recommendation, give a permanent consent and that's an edge of restriction that you may want to put on that, that I would go that's, with. That's where I was heading, yeah. you make it a permanent consent in their names, not a temporary yeah. consent. That would be something that I might have recommended to be honest and, and again, that's a, a, I think if this was called into committee for legitimate reasons in terms of parking as far as I'm concerned is the main issue I think the way in which it is operated um, means that there isn't a parking problem and that's why you've got a recommendation for approval so that may be a way forward, yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Right, members, throw it open. Right. Councillor Freeman, Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> I feel I should explain why I asked this to be determined by committee. <clears throat> I certainly have no problems whatsoever with a gym or an exercise place in uh, the centre of a residential area. In fact, thinking about it, 
it's the most obvious place to have them. Uh, you don't want to have to drag across town in order to use the facilities of a gym. It's much better to have them embedded into um, where you happen to live. It makes an awful lot of sense. And in many countries, European countries, that's how it would be. My concern is I've served on planning committees for many years, several terms in office one way or another, uh, and retrospective applications always worry me because very often retrospective applications are where somebody's tried to do something, didn't get away with it, and then had to go back and try and regularise the situation. It would appear that that isn't the case here, but there are plenty of them which are, and we've all seen them. So that's one thing that concerns me. As soon as there's a retrospective application, I, I, I alerts my attention. Um, the issues at stake is obviously loss of parking. What you're looking at there is a room that's been created from an internal garage and also a store in these houses. This chairman is in my ward, so I, I know the properties quite well. In fact, I've often thought of buying one. Um, so you lose the store for your wheelie bins as well. Uh, and obviously all those sort of things have to be kept someplace else then. Uh, so it is a loss of a room. Normally, to change your garage into uh, a, a room as part of your house, you'd, if you were sensible, you'd apply for planning consent. You may not need it, but you would apply. Um, it's also a change of use. because not only have the, the occupants, without consent, changed, uh, turned a garage into a room, uh, they then proceeded to use the room uh, as a business. Well, that's fine. Uh, but then ask yourself, well, you've established a dangerous principle there. And so they move and somebody else comes in and says, well, I'm going to run an opticians from here or maybe an estate agent's or some other business. Now, I'm not totally familiar with what D2 is and what the limitations are on this. But there are other things. Once you've established the principle, it's very hard to unmake it, as, as we all know. Uh, and the other factor is that, of course, it's very hard to monitor usage uh, in any sensible sort of way. Uh, the way it's been explained, it would seem that this is a completely reasonable use uh, of this uh, former garage. Uh, the way it's been explained, uh, it would seem to be a great asset to the community uh, and therefore should certainly be supported on that basis. But it's the planning reasons, which is why I've bought it before this committee. It's the loss of uh, conversion of a off-road parking space where there is a considerable pressure on parking, uh, the loss of that without asking for planning consent, um, the change of use having converted it into a room, it's not somebody's lounge, uh, and uh, the difficulty in monitoring what that use is. If the house changes hands, it could be something else entirely. Uh, we have no control over that, or at least it would appear that we don't. Now, it could certainly be limited to these particular occupants, but what then if one of them decides to change their profession? You know, it's fraught with dangers. So I really brought this before the committee so we can have guidance on the matter. I have no strong views on it, uh, one way or the other, and I shall, I shall certainly abstain from voting. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Mr Chairman, yes, I would like first of all to ask for guidance in terms of our voting ability, being on the Town Council. Um, may I just ask, if we, can we proceed to vote or...? We expressed a non-pecuniary interest. No? Uh, yes, I indeed you can, unless you expressed any very strong views at the, uh, uh, the committee where it was discussed. Mine was a dissenting opinion. Uh, I beg your pardon? Mine was a dissenting opinion of the Town Council. So you did vote? I, I didn't vote. In fact, I abstained. You abstained. I would say... 
would say you have a non-pecuniary interest. So can I vote? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Mr Chairman, just a point, and I think it's important. We, we're discussing dangerous precedents here, and I think it is uh, a question of precedent, because um, if you read this legally, um, this is, in theory, a commercial enterprise. But as you said in the previous item, that commercial enterprise, commercial things, um, um, solar panels on roofs can be commercial enterprises, it becomes a very a sort of piece of string, very, um, a variable um, measure. The thing is, we live in the 21st century, and, uh, and things are changing quite a lot. Um, we talk about day mothers and, and, and tutors and music teachers living amongst ourselves, and I tend to agree with, with Councillor Freeman that, that uh, we, would, we would, should welcome, in fact, uh, local gyms and things. But for myself, I have, have a team of solicitors who are encouraged to work from home and answer queries from clients outside of working hours, um, certainly commercial. In fact, they're employed. Um, I believe this is a particular example and a really good except, exception to start making. Um, in this case, we have a service which is clearly valuable. There seem to be no issues in terms of parking. Um, the statement made is that there is no noise, and another other side says there is, so it's a question of fact which you can, we can um, find out about. Um, and we should, I think, apply amounts to this question of commercial um, usage and, and uh, consider it as, as a precedent in the future. I would, I would suggest that the future of Saffron Mould and, and, and Yattlesford would be well served by us to take a more robust view on commercial use of premises. Um, and I certainly will be voting for this, this um, uh, application. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Chambers. I just want to propose approval, Mr Chairman. Uh, thank you. Does that find a seconder? Thank you. That's seconded by Councillor Fairhurst. Can I, sorry, now we. Can I just, yeah. can I just clarify whether members are going for the recommendation or whether they're opposing. If I may, Mr. Chairman, I was proposing as it is in here, and then if at a future date within the next 12 months, if a proposal comes forward, then I would would wish to propose then that it becomes to Mr and Mrs Thomas Thompson. That's, so you don't have a conflicting thing, but I'm proposing it as it is That's here at the present. Councillor Mills. Um, can we have it proposed as it is with the uh, added sort of bit from you that it's in the ownership of Mr and Mrs Thompson and therefore tied to their ownership of the property? Because I think it's important. Otherwise, well, we've got something that's transferable. This is the discussion we would need to have because Councillor Chambers yeah, has... I know. I'm, I'm quite happy to include that, Mr Chairman. In Why other words, say we don't... So in the first place, then? Would it say a few hearts think, fluttering in I'm the room? I'm quite happy, quite happy to uh, include that if... If that's what Great. So let, let's have a little discussion then about the wording of any conditions that we might put on, particularly condition one, to start with. We haven't got a second yet. Can we oh, sorry. Sorry, Mr Chairman. I, I, I would propose, in fact, that the conditions of time and usage, um, certainly number two and number one, should be recon reconsidered because we obviously want to give the best possible um, potential for this, this, this um, venture to succeed. And by limiting that, we're actually rest restricting their rights. Thank you. That's on that particular issue. I think the choice is, is either to give a permanent consent or a permanent consent with restrictions on, and I can give a wording on, and, and the wording would be the, the, develop, the, the proposal should only be occupied by Mr and Mrs Thompson while occupant at number 13 Fitzpiers. That's how I would suggest it. Or not put that restriction on and leave it as a temporary consent. 
that's the first issue. I wouldn't want to put that restriction on and a temporary consent at the same time because I don't think it's absolutely no. necessary to do that. So that's the choice there. But the recommendation is, is, is currently to have a temporary consent with the restriction on. So that's out there. And thirdly, if members wanted to look at condition two in terms of whether they wanted to ease those restrictions, if you were given permanent consent, I would look at that in terms of what you actually want to do. I would actually argue they're wholly reasonable because they do start at 7 o'clock in the morning in terms of, in terms of it and, and, and they do finish at 7.30 in the, afternoon, in the evening. So I think they are quite reasonable conditions in terms of restrictions. But again, that's within your gift in terms of looking at that. Right. Um, I'm going to make a suggestion, councillors, that uh, we amend condition one to be permanent in the names of the applicants for, for the term of their living in the premises. On condition two, I think that's one that we could review in a year's time um, because that more than anything perhaps would determine whether there is unreasonable consequences and we may need to reduce the hours. So that gives us that possibility. How does that find members? Happy to second that, Chairman. Thank you. Councillor Riles? Thank you. Council, right, so Councillor Chambers, are you well, you're still remaining, are you leaving that still as a temporary consent? Then? No, permanent consent yeah, in the names. That yeah. second bit, sorry, just to clarify that, sorry, that, that issue about the, the hours restrictions, to leave the hours restrictions as they are, Yes. you are then approving basically a permanent consent, consent with restrictions in terms of living there. They are within their due, they were got within their rights within a year's time, within six months' time, within four years' time to come back and request those conditions to be varied, that condition to be varied. Indeed. So, so I think that's yeah. just, I want to clarify. Yeah. I'm quite yeah, happy with that. Yeah. So you're happy with that, Councillor Fairhurst, are you happy with that? Chairman, I, I, although the time seemed reasonable, I'm just trying to think of a person who's never going to a gym in his life and never will. Um, if I went to a gym, I, I might go on Sundays and I might go in the evenings after work. Um, and we want to make it a flexible process. We want to make it something we can, it's a living process. We must stop thinking in terms of shop centres and things. So I personally think that the number two is, is, is silly, and I think a permanent um, 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 application should be approved with Article 2, but maybe that doesn't find favour with, with your committee. Members, any volunteering on varying condition two? Speaking personally, Mr Chairman, I think we just have to leave the hours in for the moment uh, for a year. And if at the end of that year we have no objections and the status quo remains as everybody is as supportive as they are now, then I'm sure that restriction could be looked at and removed if necessary. Yeah, and, and they could make an application to extend on a Sunday or a bank holiday. Councillor Freeman. Yeah, just one point on that. Uh, it costs money to make applications. I have no idea exactly how much. Uh, and so you'd then be um, making this applicant come back in a year's time with further expense. I'm wondering whether it could be worded in such a way that the consent is automatic, uh, provided they've occupied the terms, you know, lived within the terms, uh, and after one year they're sort of... No? No. Well, whatever. You, you can <laughs> put a... Well, I, I don't... I, I think we need to move away from this year, because I think the, 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 the actual proposal now is for a permanent consent, not the year's consent, but in terms of revisiting the hours of operation, yes, that would require a fee, and it would require it. And I don't think... And I think we don't really want to put a condition on saying they should, they should accord with these hours unless otherwise agreed and writing by the local planning authority, because as, as approved in writing by the local planning authority is an application to vary the condition. Yeah. So I think we can help them to a point, but I think just leave the condition as it is, and yes, it would require 
uh, a, an application, a formal application to, to be submitted to vary that condition. Now second of this proposal. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, because it clearly wasn't Council Affairs, because you did not agree with retaining condition two. Right. So okay. who has seconded? I this? will second it. Thank you. Right. So we are we are voting on approving this application with condition one reworded to be a permanent condition in the names of Peter and Claire Thompson whilst they own residence at the premises. The hours of operation will stay and the no amplified music will stay. But that's a given, so we, you know, we, we're not going to mess about with that one. Are we all in agreement that that's the summation of what we've discussed? Okay, let's go to the vote then, please. All those in favour? Uh, and against? <coughs> abstention? One abstention. That matter is approved with those revised conditions. Thank you. Moving on to item 4.7, which is application UTT. Councillor Chambers, you are leaving us. Not out. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very much Thank you. Right. Uh, hang on. We've got um, Councillor Freeman. Um, I have uh, a, a, an interest in this in the sense that uh, we know the district councillor involved, uh, and I propose that I would draw. Yes, I think we did this, this before We've when the application before. came yeah. in, didn't we? Three All three of us. Yeah. Okay. Please you can call sit us back and say nothing. Please call us back. You can sit and say nothing. But you want to go and have a cup we, of coffee, we, don't you? We might look <laughs> at somebody, and that can be a dreadful thing. Withdraw. <laughs> okay. Mr. Perry advised us to withdraw. Oh right. Okay. Well, no. Who am I to argue? Right. Thank you. Okay. Application UTT15-3615. It's um, for advertisement consent at Saffron Warden, and the three Saffron Warden members have withdrawn. Thank you. Mr. Brown, you'll take us through, please. Start again. Thank you, Chairman. Members will recall this is a planning application that members considered a few months back for the change of use of the property to a takeaway premises. Um, it's Domino's Pizza, is what it's going to be. And this is proposal is just for the advertisement material around that particular application. And, and I think this is the current situation and the proposal is for the the standard dominoes uh, frontage on the oh my God. it's the standard dominoes uh, fascia there there and a hanging sign there so it's very very standard stuff and the application is and I will short add it is externally illuminated there is a light there uh, which is which is an appropriate form of, of, of lighting in in what is which is a town centre and the application is recommended for approval chairman Thank you, Mr. Brown. We have one speaker. That's the agent for the applicant. That's Mr. Ben Cook. Do you have three minutes, Mr. Cook? Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Um, my name is Ben Cook, and I'm from Pegasus Planning Group, who represents the applicant, uh, Mr. Joshi. Um, as you know, advertisement and listed building consent is sought in association with the approved shop front and uh, Class A5 use at 12 Hill Street. Um, 
to reiterate, it should be noted that these applications do not seek permission for the hot food takeaway use of the site, which has been granted by members at committee in September uh, 2015. Uh, the applications before members today seek permission for one externally illuminated fascia sign, one externally illuminated hanging sign, as well as one non-illuminated fascia sign on the side elevation of the unit. Uh, the applicant has worked closely with your officers regarding this application and has made amendments to the scheme following advice received from the appointed conservation officer. The amendments included reducing the amount and size of logos and lettering on the front fascia sign, as well as reducing the overall physical depth of the fascia sign. Your conservation officer has since reissued her response confirming, confirming that no objections are made to the revised signage scheme. In addition, there are no objections from either Essex County Council, Highways or Strategic Development Officers or indeed from Saffron Walden Parish Council. The applicant is aware that there are a number of public objections to this application. However, these largely relate to traffic generation and parking, which are not matters relevant to an advertisement application. These are instead matters which have already been considered by members of this committee and were deemed to be acceptable. Concern has also been raised regarding the immunity of residents in the vicinity of the site. To this end, a condition has been added to the list of burning consent requiring the lettering and logos of the signage not to be reflective. As confirmed within the application detailing, the lettering and logos comprise vinyl transfers uh, to be applied directly to the facial sign, which are indeed not reflective. Furthermore, the illumination proposed is external, with illumination projecting onto the signs rather than internal, whereby light would project outward from the signs. It is therefore considered that the application is acceptable and that it preserves the character and appearance of a listed building and will not have an adverse impact upon the immunity of nearby residents. It is therefore respectfully requested that the application be approved in line with the officer's recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Cook. All right, members, I'm only looking in one direction now. One direction. Oh, that's here, right. No, no, don't. <coughs> Move to recommend for approval, Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Mills. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, thank you. Second. Um, any one wishing to make a comment? Will we go straight to the vote? All those in favour, please show. Thank you. Moving on now to the same site, same details, but it's a listed building application, UTT 153613. Mr Brown, please illuminate. Nothing to add, only that the conditions are slightly different because they're a listed building consent, not advertisement consent, and again, it's recommended for approval, Chairman. Oh, just a moment. We have no speakers. Mr Cook covered everything in his previous submission, so we have a proposal for approval from Councillor Davy. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Riles, thank you very much. All those in favour, please show. Thank you. That matter is approved. Um, would someone like to call back in the three Saffron Warden members, please? Thank you, Alan. He's talking to his stockbroker. Oh, yeah. 
He does do. It could be a long while yet. Given today. Right, thank you. Uh, the last item on our agenda of applications is 4.9. It's application UTT 153613. It's an application, a full application, not listed building, in Great Dunmo, and Mrs Jones will take us through it. Thank you. Oh, sorry, just one moment. Yes, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to declare that uh, I, I have a, a non-pecuniary interest in, a, I know the residents uh, who live there, they're just acquaintances. Uh, this application relates to a site to the south of Great Dunmo High Street within development limits in the conservation area in a backland location. Um, and this shows the existing site, what's on site, and the existing property on the site. And uh, I'd just like to point out to the west of the site is the council depot. It has been referred to committee because part of the site is within the UDC ownership. This application is for the erection of a first floor extension which would create an additional bedroom. So that's this area here. That's this extension here. And uh, here's some photos just of the site. So this is the high street and that's the access to the site. That's the property. And that's the depot at the, at the rear. And this is the strip of land that it relates to. Uh, the proposal is considered to be of acceptable design and the recommendation is for conditional approval. Thank you, Mr Jones. Right, uh, we have no speakers on this, so straight over to members for comment. I'll kick off if I may. Um, the strip of land in question is, was part of the depot. Um, there was an incident where one of our refuse vehicles hit the boundary wall, which in turn fell onto the property 72A and damaged it. And that damage has subsequently been repaired by uh, at cost to the council through insurance, I guess. Um, so a move was made to suggest that this parcel of land be straightened out and offered to the owners of 72A uh, to form a buffer zone in the effect that that incident could then not um, recur. Unfortunately, I find we're looking at an application where that Site of sort of incidents could in fact recur. So 
I'm not happy and I'm going to suggest that uh, I'm looking for a Mr Brown for a reason to refuse this. Thank you. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I'm going to just say it now. Um, just because we are approving planning permission today doesn't mean to necessarily they're going to be able to build it. Um, what you've just said is exactly the situation, but you can only consider this application on its planning merits. And the application as an extension, as, as Madeline's just said, it, 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 it fits in with the house, doesn't cause any overlooking, it's self-sufficient in terms of its parking. Um, but it does not achieve what it's trying to achieve by us as an authority selling them the land because literally all you're doing is, is, is you're filling in the buffer zone. So I would suggest you cannot refuse planning permission for the reasons you've just said, but there's likely to be a covenant attached to the property when it goes across, which means they can't fill in the gap. But that is for us as a, as a, as a, as a vendor of this land rather than us as a planning authority. So you could be, and more likely that you are, approving planning permission for an extension that won't be able to build because there's a covenant, but that is not a reason for refusing it. So I think you need to be open about the stupidity of the situation. I think they've jumped the gun a bit in terms of putting the application in before they've got the land, but you can always apply for planning permission on a piece of land that you don't own. So I would, strict, I would still stick with the recommendation, but those problems need to be sorted out by our, uh, our um, property team when they sell the land on, and I think they are by way of covenants. So can we be assured that this land transfer hasn't as yet occurred and that we can insert the covenant? It hasn't yet happened. Well, it hadn't happened when we were having the discussion on Monday. And, and the answer to the second part, that we can insert a restricted we, covenant? We can restrict a covenant, but that's obviously not for this place. It's for, right. for another place No, to I do. just need to know that it can and will happen. It can happen. That's all I can say. And it's likely to happen is what I've been indicated for. Thank but you. The bottom line is if we don't... The, 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 the reasons what you've just said in terms of the, the relationship with the depot are not a planning issue. Uh, in terms of the, the impact, what could actually happen is, a, is a, it would end up in a civil issue. Yeah, Mr Chairman, just a thing on a planning point. Um, uh, our conveyancing solicitor, uh, Catherine Nicholson, uh, spoke to me before I, just before I came into committee to confirm that uh, what um, uh, Nigel has just said is correct and the, the transfer has not taken place, and a covenant will be put on the transfer to, to prevent building on the land. Mr Chairman, yes, the, but from a purely planning perspective, regardless of the covenant in the contract, if we were mindful of the fact that there was a potential hazard, as has happened with trucks or something reversing everything, would we be wise planners to allow them to build that creature. Surely it's an unsafe building. It's, it's, in, it's in a risky environment. We're putting up something which we know has a hazardous potential for hazard. I wouldn't say that was a reason to refuse planning permission. The control is over the... Bear in mind, we have got control of this as a local authority in terms of the fact that we own the land. So the control of putting it across... Um, with a covenant on basically says that they can't build this extension 
Um, that is where that's where that controls are. We would not normally approve planning. We would still approve planning permission, even though there is a hazard there in terms of it. And it's down to enabling issues, because this could happen on any application you're dealing with. The only thing here is that we know about it because we own the land. Um, it is perverse what we're doing here in terms of approving this, but I would say we, we shouldn't be refusing planning permission because of something that's happening in another place. Sorry, may I come back on that, Mr Chairman? Yes. The problem I have is this. We are a juris persona. We are engaging in transferring land, and at the same time, a committee, duly convened, is granting permission on something that we're prohibiting. If I was the recipient of that land purchase, regardless of the covenant, I would say there's an ambivalence in this process. And you could talk to in bad faith or tort. You say, are you exposed yourself to a risk? The thinking is this, we are also aware, that another little section of, our, of this jurist persona is, we are also aware of the fact that a, this is a hazardous position, and so, we are so aware of it, in fact, that we are prepared to, to, to transfer the land into their hands to create a buffer zone, because we are aware of the process, and mindful of that, we are aligned to build on it. This is negligence. Yeah, I think, uh, thank you, Councillor. Um, I think in the circumstances, I'm going to propose we defer this for one month, to give our legal team time to have written up the transfer document, which may or may not contain I think the controlling thing. And you'll second that. Thank you very much. So we go to the vote on that, please, uh, councillors. To defer for one month to give time for the legal papers to be drawn up. Against? One abstention. Thank you. So that matter is deferred for one month. Thank you very much. Right. Um, I have no urgent business, members. Thank you. We're an hour and ten minutes later than I thought we might be. But meeting closed at ten past five. Thank you.